Hello everyone and welcome back to another video. So we're going to be continuing on our explanation of internal and external respiration. But what's important for us to cover is looking at a new gas law. So we're going to be looking at Dalton's law of partial pressure. Now, the definition of Dalton's law is that the total pressure within a system is the sum of the individual contributions of those individual gases. Okay, so what does that mean exactly? Well, the air that is surrounding us right now is not just a single substance. It is composed of many different gases, in particular looking at nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide. There's also water floating around, so that humidity, sometimes a little bit higher than what we like, but regardless. So there are multiple things floating around in the air. So what Dalton's law describes is that when we are at sea level, the amount of pressure that is being exerted by the air is around 760 millimeters of mercury. What this means is, is that all of those individual components of air are what are contributing to that overall air pressure. And this is what we are sort of seeing on the screen here. So if we have a look at, say, oxygen. So oxygen is around 20.9% of the air that we breathe. So what that means is, is that because oxygen is 20.9% of the air, those oxygen molecules are responsible for 20.9% of that air pressure. So if we were at sea level and it's 760 millimeters of mercury, then if we take 20.9% of that, it equals to 159 millimeters of mercury. Therefore, the partial pressure of oxygen is 159 millimeters of mercury because that is how much pressure is being exerted only by oxygen. Now, focusing on partial pressure is particularly important for us. When we've been talking about those conduction zones, looking at the pharynx and the larynx, and as we're moving down sort of the, the bronchioles, the terminology I've been using there is air. We breathe air in, air moves through the trachea, etc. But once we start talking about the respiratory zones, we start talking about that external gas exchange. That is where I've stopped using the word air because we need to be more specific. This is where I've been saying, you know, uh, oxygen moves into the blood or carbon dioxide moves out of the blood. So what is important to note here is that when we are looking at whether it's oxygen or carbon dioxide, it is still moving like a gas. It's still going to move down its concentration and it's indeed its pressure gradient. So when we are referring to these individual gases, then we refer to it as its partial pressure. So a reminder that when we are breathing air in, we are doing three things. We are humidifying the air, we are warming it, and we are filtering it. But at the same time, what we are also seeing is the air around us as we're breathing it in, that air is mixing with that residual volume, that sort of old air that's left over in the lungs. So what we see is oxygen will move down its pressure gradient and so will carbon dioxide, meaning that the air in our alveoli, the partial pressure of oxygen is actually just over half, it's around 65%, because it's essentially being diluted because that old air that's still in our lungs, it doesn't have that much oxygen in it because we used it all. It's the same with carbon dioxide, except we have a lot more. We have around 130 times the amount of carbon dioxide in our lungs than what we do compared to sort of the atmosphere around us. Why? Because that's what we've been making as a byproduct, and that's what we're trying to remove in our exhalation. 
Now, we've looked at our external gas exchange. We've looked at sort of moving air into our lungs. We've looked at the partial pressure of these gases of oxygen and carbon dioxide. So now what? Why am I now introducing this third law? Well, now we need to have a quick chat about Henry's law, because here's the thing. When we are looking at gases, gases can be dissolved or move into a liquid. And it does this by moving down its partial pressure. So again, just like all the like pressure or diffusion laws that we've covered in previous series, it's still going to move from high to low. Except in this time, we're not looking at just air itself, we're looking at these individual gases. Now, where things get a little bit more tricky is that when we are moving a gas into a liquid, it also depends on how soluble that gas is to the liquid. Now, if we all, after a sort of a, a big day of studying and, and learning anatomy and physiology, you want to treat yourself to a nice sort of soft drink. You, so you, you open the can and it starts fizzing and bubbling away. Here's the thing. That gas is actually carbon dioxide. Why not oxygen? Why is it that we're using carbon dioxide in these, in these soft drinks instead of oxygen? The thing is, it's down to solubility. Carbon dioxide is around 20 times more soluble in a liquid than oxygen. That means it's a lot easier for us to put carbon dioxide in a liquid than what it is for oxygen. So this is why when you have a, a soft drink or if you have a beer or something like that, then that is why we typically use carbon dioxide. Hmm, now we have another problem because what is a huge aspect of the respiratory and the cardiovascular system? Well, it's to transport oxygen to the tissues of our body, okay? But how are we going to do that? We can't just dissolve oxygen into the blood because as we're now seeing, oxygen is very poorly soluble in the blood. It's very poorly soluble in aqueous solutions. And a lot of us is an aqueous solution. How is it that we are able to transport and deliver oxygen to our tissues if we can't just move it into our blood? This is where we're going to discuss a lovely protein called hemoglobin that will help solve that woe for us. So I hope you can join me in the next video in which we discuss hemoglobin and its ability to transport oxygen around our body. I'll see you then.